0: We're obviously big fans of the Elder Scrolls ourselves. These are the kind of games that we would be playing if we weren't here making them.
1: This is the whole important part. This is the frothing, or as we say here, making a potion. How do we make potions in Skyrim?
2: <laughs> there are about 30 or 40 of us. We've been together for uh, over 10 years at Bethesda Game Studios. These are the same leads that were working on Morrowind Oblivion, and this is their third Elder Scrolls game with Skyrim.
0: It wasn't a question of whether we were gonna do a a fifth one. It was more, what did we want it to be? How is it gonna be different?
2: Skyrim is sort of this culmination of over a decade's worth of making open-world RPGs... ...and we're trying to take everything that we've learned and focus it onto this one game.
0: You're the leader of the Rebellion. I thought it was weird when you said, you're the leader of the Rebellion. Like, is is it just because it's a robo-voice?
3: It sort of starts, like, with a kernel of ideas that Todd has and a couple of the key people who have been here for a long time, worked on all the Elder Scrolls, so we sort of know, like, after the previous game, what was the feedback, or what was that game, then where is this game set? What do we want to do different? What do we want to improve
1: upon? Uh, usually with great gnashing of teeth.
4: That's usually <laughs> usually where you start. One of the reasons why we did Skyrim is it has more developed lore than some of the other places. We've written more about it. There's been more references in books. So we knew more about it, we had more of a a starting place, and it was also, we thought it was was cool lore. What is the tone
0: of the game? How does the player feel about the world they're in? We're gonna let you create who you want to be, so we don't want to define as much who you are, as much as how do you feel about the world that you are exploring. And so for us, when we first start talking about one, is what is the tone of the world? and then everything else comes out of that.
3: So Matt will go off and make art and start to sort of get the look based on what Todd has said and what they talked about. And the designers, Bruce, and those guys will go off and sort of come up with the main quest and the characters. And then we just meet each week and talk about it and iterate upon it and see what works and what doesn't. Oblivion,
5: the last game we did in The Elder Scrolls universe, was a very core fantasy where it, the area it was set in Cyrodiil was very much all races, all ethnicities, all Cultures, all you know, it tried to be a little bit of everything. Skyrim is much more of our
4: hardcore, like Viking fantasy. We sort of settled on Skyrim as you know, different from Cyrodiil, which was very civilized and the center of the empire. And We wanted to kind of mix things up, make it rougher, less peaceful, definitely, you know, more brutal. <laughs>
5: Skyrim starts the way every Elder Scrolls game starts. You're a prisoner. You don't have a background. And it's sort of like an Elder Scrolls tradition. We want the player to fill in those blanks, you know, with their own imagination. You tried to cross
3: the border, right? Skyrim was fine until you came along. Elder Scrolls especially, we give you, you're a blank slate. And we've wiped your history clean, and you're free to make your story as you wish.
5: And in this particular case, you're being led to your execution. And the execution is interrupted by a dragon attack, and...
6: Into the keep!
5: You were a criminal, and you were accused of some crime. But it's like, what is this other stuff going around? There's this weird civil war going on. He doesn't
4: have the men.
0: That's not what my scouts report, sir. And
4: there's a lot of tension in the world, and An oblivion. You weren't the person that saved the world. You helped the person save the world. But we want—we definitely knew, like, this is Skyrim. You know, the land of the barbarians. We want you to feel like, you know, the Nord hero here.
3: What is it now, Mother?
1: A dragon! I saw a dragon!
3: If
2: you were to look at the the PowerPoint way back in the day, dragons was number one on that list. We are gonna do dragons in a way that you've never seen before in any RPG.
0: We haven't had dragons in the Elder Scrolls. We had one in Redguard, but that game is set in the past. And so there kind of becomes these mythical
4: creatures people talk about, but you never quite see. You know, there have been rumors of dragons coming back, and no one has really believed it because, as far as anyone knows, dragons are gone from the world. They've all been killed off, you know, hundreds of years ago. But now here's this dragon. What's that about? The Nords have this god in their pantheon, Alduin. Alduin, who
0: is this, I don't want to say evil, but dark god in the Elder
4: Scrolls lore, he is a dragon. In the ancient times, he sort of ruled over the humans
1: in this part of the world. Alduin's Wall is sort of a history in stone of the last time that dragons were seriously resisted by the human beings of the world. And it tells the story of how Alduin was defeated the first time. And the prophecy goes that he
0: will return and eat the world. Well, that's what happens in Skyrim.
5: And part of what is written on the wall
4: is is... The player's journey, the player's destiny. And so you start out trying to figure out, you know, what does it have to do with me? Pretty early on, you learn that you're Dragonborn. And so you're trying to figure out, what does that mean? The Dragonborn is someone who has the soul of a dragon, and there hasn't been one in so long, people almost wonder if it's a myth.
0: You don't have a chance! Dragonborn is like, that's something where it gets really kind of metaphysical, kind of. We don't want to define it too much. That's what we do want it to be. Well, how does that work?
5: You show up and you start exhibiting these powers... ...and people are like, oh, my God, is it, could it be true? Is this the dragonborn? Does this person have the voice, the thum, this power of old? And if so,
0: what does that mean? And it, what it really comes down to mean is... ...anointed by the gods with the soul
1: of a dragon. This is something that, you know, once every few generations... ...you have someone who's born with this ability. So you, as the Dragonborn, you must resolve the problem with the dragons. You must find out what it is they're back here for... ...and you have to take this head-on.
0: Part of it is a mystery, and then once you have the, okay... ...this is what's actually going on... ...then it takes on a more adventurous, less mysterious town.
1: Like a lot of game story ideas, it comes in little fits and spurts. And it starts with something simple... ...and starts to grow into something more elaborate... ...and finally you take away some of the excess... ...and you're left with something rather clean. For us, it started with a very simple concept of dragons. If we're gonna do dragons, we need to do dragons right. Because it's a big deal. This isn't something you can just... ...oh, yeah, just another creature like a bear walking around in the woods.
6: Part of our challenge was to make the dragons familiar... ...without being 100% cliché. We definitely like them being
5: characters. They had a culture. They may be terrifying and they may be brutal... ...but they're also sentient and intelligent. And they have a language and they can speak and they will speak to you at times. But they also have a, a sort of distinct sort of Nordic flavor to them and they're
6: big. We wanted the dragon to feel very majestic, so we we were looking at how do eagles soar and that sort of thing. But on ground, we wanted them to be a little bit more primal and reptilian in nature. A lot of it is analyzing real-world analogs. So we'll look at bat footage, we'll look at bird footage. It's trying to research so that we're not making a fantastical creature be unbelievable. It, it may be a fantastical creature, but it still has to feel like it has weight. It still has to feel like it could exist in, in this environment.
1: Trying to make dragons feel authentic is, for us, more important than making them feel unique, special, and completely and utterly different. You make the experience of it feel so real that that's what becomes important. The authenticity is what matters to us.
0: In the Elder Scrolls lore, the ancient Nords had this power of the thum... ...the ability to shout and, you know, form these words of power. It was written then. It was never intended. This is the language of dragons. But when we started, we're gonna do Skyrim, or we're gonna have dragons come back... ...that was a pretty quick decision. It was like, that's what we always meant. When the dragons in the
5: game, you can hear them speaking the language. <laughs> So that got us talking about what does this language mean for the player? What kind of device
0: would this be? And so we decided to create this dragon language. Emil, I want you to write this song. That's how it started. Can you write a song that works in dragon language, that rhymes with the Elder Scrolls theme, when translated into English, also makes sense and rhymes? He's able to come up with things. I don't know how he does it.
5: I found recordings of Beowulf in Old English. That
0: gave me sort of the the overall feel. As the story goes, he kind of sat on it for a while and went home one weekend and heated up some mead and wrote the thing. He came in on Monday, there it is, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this actually works.
5: Each shout has three components. There are three words. And so it becomes like, okay, I say one word, you know, foos and then Ro and Da. And so when you're doing this as a gameplay device, it's like, it
3: has to all meld together, like, Foos, Ro, Da. When you say, Foos, Ro, Da, like that, um, that's when the big clap of thunder, you know, should fire off in the game. And this blast of energy comes out of the player and knocks your opponent off their feet. And if it all times up just right, it feels perfect.
0: You have these walls where you learn the words of power, usually. And they are these ancient writings of the Nords who knew the language.
5: One of our concept artists, Adam, come up with, like, the visual, you know. Todd was directing him. He's like, no, it's gonna look like, you know, if the dragons had clawed it into the, into
7: the stone. So it's very jagged looking. And he decided, well, all right, the dragon has this many claws. It probably uses its thumb claw as, like, a rotation point. And then he started sketching out different... ...scratch patterns, and eventually that became the language. Skyrim's the the most northern province in Tamriel, so it's the home of the Nords. It's really heavy, snow-covered mountains in this really rugged environment.
1: ...really one of these, like, large, craggy features that erupt out of the ground... ...giving you these kind of dramatic, sheer visuals and vistas to walk and travel through.
0: The world is our main character. Even though you're playing somebody, we have these NPCs, we have a story... ...the main character of the game is the world, the province of Skyrim.
7: So the world in this region really defines uh, the entire look of the game. What creatures live there and what alchemy plants grow there. So we come up with a set of foliage that grows in each region... ...different color palettes, different lighting, different weather... ...and then make sure that transitions well between the different regions... ...but then still fits in with the the overall aesthetic of the world. What makes our
2: RPGs different is the amount of time we spend... ...just building the world and thinking about... As you walk through the game, what are you going to see when you walk into town? You know, What are you going to be able to pick up? What are you going to be able to craft? What are you going to be able to eat?
0: All of the little things in that are what we obsess over. You could say, well, what, what effect does that have on gameplay? Let's not overthink it, that's just me. But they become the key thing that makes the you element. feel that uh, this is all real for the moment I'm in it.
7: We kind of call it cluttering uh, the world. You can go into a house and steal all the guy's mead. And, you know, that's fun. That was a game you just decided to go do. I want to touch everything and do it and stare at these
0: bushes... ...that have all been individually modeled. And what do their flowers look like? And then you can pick the flowers off and they come off and you can eat them... ...and they do things to you and you can mix them into potions.
7: It makes a sense of believability to the world. So you really see how people live in it and, and what they're doing. And a lot of the story is just told by the clutter or the environment... ...that is just built around that character.
0: There is so much stuff in the game. It is an orders of magnitude larger and has more things in it than we've ever done.
2: It's not enough for us just to create one large city, we're gonna do five. It's not enough for us to do... ...a few farms or a few places of interest, we're gonna do 500 hand-placed things for you to look at in the world. And we're gonna keep adding, we're gonna keep playing, we're gonna keep adding, we're
7: adding up until the end. When you come out of that first dungeon... ...and you see this huge open valley of pine trees and clouds... ...and these giant mountains like we haven't been able to do in any previous Elder Scrolls game... ...that part is really special. That's kind of the first part where we're like, yeah, that's that's what Skyrim's all about. This big, huge, rugged, open world and you can kind of go wherever you want in it.
0: See that, Josh? Uh, oh, like everything else, like the plants and the people, we treat the creatures the same that they that they live in this world.
1: Mammoths and giants. Probably the coolest. because uh, you can actually kinda of close to them. You can walk up, as so long as you don't get too close, you can walk up and watch them sort ...move on by like a slow herd. If you mess around with them... ...it's not going to be pretty. They're very powerful. Some of the principal villains in the game would be the Draugr. These are sort of mindless, undead creatures. have archers, horkers, who are these seals.
0: A cool one that people haven't really seen before is the Falmer. These are another type of elf in Elder Scrolls lore. In Skyrim... The idea is that they've lived underground for a long
1: time, so long that their eyes have all grown over. We have Hag Ravens.
7: She's a really powerful magic user.
1: ...which are evil witches who have decided to trade some of their humanity for all kinds of evil magical powers.
0: One of my favorites in concept and execution are these ice wraiths.
7: There's a line in lore that Nords, when they come of age, will go fight an ice wraith. ...but we didn't really know what an ice wraith looked like. So we didn't want to do just a typical ghost specter thing. So we worked with one of the concept artists... ...and he had this idea for this really cool serpentine crystalline ice creature. And they, they move on the wind. That's the kind of thing that feels
0: more unique to this game. They're pretty terrifying. <laughs> I think combat is a really, really tricky thing in a game like this. You want to make you, physically, the player who bought the game, feel like you're getting better, but more so that the character on the screen that you are playing is getting better at it. Where do you draw that line? How much does it become a reflex game? I'm good at blocking at the right time versus my character's good at blocking
1: look well, at combat in a big way uh, tried to make it more emotional and impactful and visceral out uh, have the player moving around more and be moved around more rather than just be kind of static made a lot more action oriented and that always presents a lot of challenges because it invo- actually involves a lot of
0: math and timing to make it fluid and fun and a lot of iteration we did spend a lot of time just you know taking a mace and <laughs> hitting fake guys in the head on the screen until it You know, punchier, punchier, oh, now it looks, now you're going too far, it looks too silly, okay, pull back. If we can succeed at, here comes a wolf, and I take an axe, and I plant it in his head, and he dies, and I take his hide. Like, if that, just something that simple, you feel like, yeah. You feel good about it, then when we're fighting giants or dragons, like, you know, that's much easier. I might switch the camera move on
1: this one, though. And we looked at the visual experience. The visual experience for us needed to be more immediate, needed to be more like I'm there in the world. For certain kill
2: moves, you're gonna see that the camera's gonna slow down, pop into third person.
0: There's a lot of fun.
3: Ah, I think you're bleeding.
0: Going to some cinematic perspective quickly and watching your character do something really cool.
2: We wanted you to be able to see the sword. Shove through their torso and come out the back like I- I'm being a real badass. Like I- I'm going to slaughter people, creatures, whatever it is out there, I'm going to slaughter
7: it.
0: Tim Lamb had my favorite name for it, which was Violence. <laughs> Cinekill was the other one. Um, so we had all these different names. I mean, any month there was a different name. So I think this month's name is Killcam, and I think we'll change it. We're getting toward the end. That's Clath the wizard. He's (laughs) (laughs) dual-wielding.
2: The key to combat in Skyrim is being able to wield weapons and spells in both hands. So that's a new thing for us.
0: One of our big mantras going into the game is, you are who you play. And a lot of that is, what are you gonna put in your hands?
5: You know, dual-wielding now means I can have a spell in this hand and a sword in this hand. or. I can have a spell in this hand, and the same spell in this hand, and what does that do? Oh, guess what? It does something even more powerful. And so that all plays into how the combat plays out.
0: So this is the final state where, like, the beams
7: fade away.
8: And then this was the, the current test of the Skull Corruption <laughs> test. Um, basically, I've hidden the projectile. It's too bad we don't do more of this burning stuff. <laughs> no, Ten thousand times more than Oblivion already.
1: The
0: whole dual controller thing we're doing... ...came from the initial magic design.
1: With the spells, we knew immediately from the beginning... ...we wanted to get something that was more of a wizard duel... ...rather than just, you know, can I throw fireballs quicker... ...and you can throw fireballs. Could we make it actually feel like something?
9: So we wanted to be able to have two magic guys go at it... ...you know, in a really good, strategic, fun and exciting way, like we can do with melee combat. We've also added new ways for the spells to be delivered. So the way we treat
0: fire now is it it hits and it spreads and it it can spread a bit and do damage... ...and you can actually just take your fire spell and lay it on the ground, let guys run through it.
7: And we really spent a lot of time, you know, focusing on magic this game. ...you know, just a ton more effort into, you know, all the unique
8: spells and and their visuals. The area effect is in, the casting art is in. With the magic system added to the mix here in Skyrim... ...almost a third of the gameplay is involving special effects being thrown at people. That's what I always imagined this room to be like, especially when the wizards start going with their spells.
0: Forget the numbers and how much it kills guys. A lot of times you just, you find a new spell and no one's around, you set it off.
1: Damage resistance is determined by your armor, and your perks, and other stuff that might fold into that. So in this case, admittedly, the player will have to trust that we are doing what we say we are doing. We've always been very big in The Elder Scrolls on dynamic growth of the character. Uh, Every single one of our games in the series has had this idea that when you do something, you get better at it. In Skyrim, the
4: game adapts to what you're doing. That was one of the reasons why we got rid of classes.
8: I won't leave Skyrim alive!
1: And uh you decide what your character is
9: just by going out and doing that stuff. Depending on, you know, what weapon you're using and you know whether you do any damage, you're gonna get a certain amount of skill usage and then that's gonna build up until you reach that threshold. And then your skill will increase. At that point, once you've increased enough skills, then you level up.
1: You know, same thing with wizardry. You start casting spells, you'll get better at casting spells. So in an ideal environment, you don't have to think about what it is you're trying to do. You're not watching to see, oh, how can I make my character do this or that. You just play. And the game
9: responds, the game responds by letting you become those things. Every time you level up, you get to pick a perk, and the perks are what really defines your character. The definition of what a perk is is really kind of hard to nail down. It's an advantage, or a feature, or a gameplay enhancement, or an ability or feat that you get as you progress in your skills. You can actually play the game for a while as a warrior character
0: and then decide I want to start doing magic stuff. And in the previous games, if you really wanted to do that, you probably wanted to start over. Well, in Skyrim you can start doing it and you suck at it at first. And then eventually it starts affecting you more and then you can make up that ground without... ...throwing away however many hours of gameplay you've already done.
5: In Skyrim, we like to say we are what you play. And it's, it's, it sounds like a catchphrase or whatever, but it really is true.
0: Who do you want to be? The game is going to have some outlet for that. So on some level, we get ourselves in trouble by trying to make... The ultimate fight dragons game, the ultimate be a warrior game, the ultimate mage game, and the ultimate thief game, and the ultimate assassination game, and the ultimate I'm picking plants game. You know, all of these kind of different styles, we want to pay off. Skald supports Ulfric's rebellion, and he doesn't like having a couple of old legionnaires living in his town.
1: Be responsive to things the player does. When you do something in the game, we want the game to recognize it. ...and respond appropriately to you. Did I see you talking to
9: Sven? Maybe not. Maybe... Never mind. But I would stay away from him if I were you. How does that AI tie into a story? Like, how do I get quests from them? How do they become my friends? What will they do for me? What can I do for them? That kind of stuff. Sometimes it's as simple as
5: having a guard in a city... ...comment on the things that you've done.
9: Get your thieving hands off
2: that! Off to Bleak Falls Barrow with you. The Jarl is not a patient man.
1: The game has now responded to something you've done... ...in a way that makes sense and feels like the natural world.
0: You have no idea how much data is in this game. Here are some staggering numbers. There are 31 quests in Fallout 3. In Skyrim there's 244 of these. Things like collecting dog tags, delivering books... um, ...things that we do as objectives right now. And a lot of these repeat, because they're radiant. The game is insanely big.
5: Every Elder Scrolls game has its main quest. And the main quest in Skyrim is unraveling the mystery of the Dragonborn, and so that is definitely your heroic path.
1: I think I've found someone
8: who can help you with your dragon project.
1: For us, when we make a good story, we know we've done it when the player is the agent.
8: Yes,
9: I could use someone to fetch something for me. Well when I say fetch I really mean delve into a dangerous ruin in search of an ancient stone tablet if we
1: pose an interesting problem and then we let the player solve it in whatever way he deems fit that's gonna make the cool interesting story if you
5: decide not to do the main quest there are different quest lines my favorite quest line is the Dark Brotherhood quest
2: line the Dark Brotherhood
5: is the Assassin's
3: Guild they do the secret ritual ceremony
2: to summon the Dark Brotherhood and when you join the Dark Brotherhood ...you're one of the guys who shows up and goes, who do you need killed, what do you need? I just think that's just really awesome.
5: We have this open-ended simulation. The games sort of offer this sort of redemption... ...where, okay, I'm gonna play as a bad guy and do all this bad stuff. I'm gonna join the Dark Brotherhood and, you know, maybe join the Thieves' Guild and do scummy stuff. You know what? Then I'm gonna do the main quest, which is more honorable. And then because you're put in these situations where you're sort of the good guy... ...you start to feel like that. The big transition in our studio from Oblivion to Skyrim... ...is we never actually had dedicated level designers in Oblivion. We had them on Fallout, now we have them in Skyrim. And what that means is that when you go into a cave... ...it's not just art and stuff.
7: Get me down!
2: It's coming loose. I can feel it!
4: And before, we did it in a very compartmentalized way... ...and you would see lots of the same rooms. But we took it a step further this time and made a whole bunch of free pieces... ...so that every single dungeon is a completely different experience. You
2: fool! Why should I share the treasure with
8: anyone? In total, we have around 310 or 15 spaces. That includes dungeons, large dungeons, small dungeons, exterior play spaces. Our
9: sort of ideal
8: now is that we want every dungeon in a game like ours...
9: ...to be as good as a fully scripted level, something in like a highly authored game.
2: Every dungeon's going to tell some sort of story, whether visually or through notes or books or the
4: loot. You might actually get, like, literally a quest. It starts up, it's put in your journal. In some cases, it's more of a free form. you know, you follow clues or you just learn the story of the dungeon
1: by playing through it. The implied stories to me are the ones that are some of the most interesting because there's not a word of dialogue spoken. There's just the environment speaking to you. So, you go in, you see a body laying on its back with an empty bottle
8: clasped in its claw and bottles in its mouth. He's just laying there. We really want to have this memorable moment. We want to have the players who played the dungeon or the level to come back being like, that was an awesome experience. When I came into that last room and I saw the sky shining down from above and this cool little set piece with the streams going through, and then the boss comes out. That was really cool. So that was the one thing I always ask all these after they're finished—past one or past two of a dungeon. Like, so you know, what's your memorable moment?
9: Every time you play, you're gonna, you're gonna find something neat or something different's gonna happen. Games are such a
5: unique storytelling device, is that you, you have this really, opportunity to tell a story through action, through gameplay. <laughs>
7: Character animation is something we really wanted to improve uh, upon from our previous games.
6: There are thousands of animations for the players and NPCs alone... ...not to mention all the animations for all the creatures.
1: The challenge to making a character in the game, an NPC... ...feel like they're real and like they're really there is a tough nut. And part of that is because you and I see people every day... We are intimately versed in what a real person is. This is not a mystery to us. I have no idea what an undead guy is like. So, what I need to do to make him feel convincing pales in comparison to what I need to make a person feel convincing.
6: I've got a good feeling about you, and I don't often get good feelings about anything. A warrior knows to trust her gut. Despite advances in our technology, despite growth in our animation team, our own internal demands to raise the bar has made that that time uh, to get even a simple character longer than it has in in past projects.
4: The biggest challenge I would say is to create a pretty wide-ranging assortment of characters and yet keep them within a normal realm, using as few assets as possible and dealing with any kind of technical issues, it was definitely quite a challenge. Started out. Uh-huh. The fun times we have
7: are usually the mocap sessions. So are you going to be the stabby? I typically put it Dennis through <laughs> some pretty painful <laughs> posing and whatnot so the next day we'll have like a tough time like moving around. Mocap ready and action. <laughs> One of the things that we do a lot is kind of leave like messages and pranks on each other. Rick killed me yesterday. You know, that mocap session was too much. And
6: action. And even though motion capture might be a foundation, there's a lot of hand editing of that motion capture data to to make it work within the gameplay context. An attack might be sped up, it might be radically altered to make it work for our needs.
0: I think the best NPCs you can tell a lot about them from the voiceover. I have been thinking, maybe Camilla needs a little help seeing Sven
1: for what he is.
0: That little bit of writing and how they say hello is, I think, like, one of the hardest things to do.
1: Only thing better than riding a swift
2: horse is riding a swift horse over the enemy. You know, in Oblivion, we had, like, 12 actors. And, and that was one of the complaints, is you walk in an Oblivion and you hear a lot of the same voices. So for Skyrim, we want to definitely improve on that dramatically. And, and we're talking dramatically, like, night and day. Everyone thinks I'm too young to be a ship's captain,
0: but I'm going to
8: prove them wrong.
0: And this game, we have 70-plus actors doing 100 over 110 roles. A lot more than we've ever had.
1: Yes, sir.
2: You know, it was, uh, for about four to five weeks, three voice studios working simultaneously.
3: Let's see if we can get people trying a quote-unquote Nordic accent. You've come all the way to Skyrim, you're, you're at the tip of the continent here, the guys are big and burly and have beards. The women are big and burly no. and have beards. And uh, everyone's handy with an axe. And it, it's a fine line of what sounds good and what sounds like ridiculous. And so we spend a lot of time casting. We have some great actors.
2: Nine again on our right, take now. It's a good
3: thing. Some of the more specific names we have on here: Max Vincito, Joan Allen, Linda Carter, Christopher Plummer, who I've wanted to put in a game forever.
1: You know the ancient Nord word for war. Season unending, and so it has proved.
3: They were perfect for the part to begin with, and I think everybody had a really good time. Now
6: I can make
0: them. Thank you, sir. And now 22, we're moving on to a different lesson. They bring a resonance to their roles when they talk, that you can write like the cheesiest line, and wow, that sounds great <laughs> uh, coming out of his mouth.
2: Begone before even my philosophy
3: has tested beyond the breaking point.
1: We are men of peace, and you are not. So, any questions on the pronunciation? Let's try it.
0: I had this idea that the music for Skyrim would be the Elder Scrolls theme, but sung by a barbarian choir. So, I called Jeremy Soule, who does our music. I mean, this is in 2006. Jeremy, I hear the Elder Scrolls theme as sung by a barbarian choir. Okay, how are we going to do that? I don't know. You know. What are they singing? They're singing this song in the Dragon language to the theme of Elder Scrolls.
1: Or do you want a solid break
3: right here? Um, let's, let's, let's go ahead and carry it. His work on the main theme of the game set the tone for the rest of it. And eventually when he went uh, out to Los Angeles to Sony's scoring stage, and then had just a fantastic choir and choir director. Settle. And the choir was only made up of about 30 people. director would kind of whip them up into more of a frenzy, emphasizing this Nordic feel the whole time. So they are dun 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 da dun da dun, 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 dun You know, you really pound on every downbeat. And what they would do is just do three passes on each verse of the song. Now you've got the sound of 90 people singing this thing in this massive hall. You take a break from it, And you come back, you still get the hairs raising on your neck every time they come to the big chorus. We don't script the music too heavily to where we're trying to match every moment that the player is doing or anything like that. And it has a weird way of justifying itself to you. You feel like this big sweeping score as I'm Rounding this bend and seeing this mountainous valley view is playing for you There's nothing satisfying about pulling out a sword with no sound but kind of debated for a while on whether to try to make them Realistic I tried it Um, I want people to know that that I did try it swords don't make that sound So, I I, I very quickly drifted back to the more Hollywood style. Because people wanna hear it. I actually really enjoy things that just feel very visceral and uh, great impacts of the sword sword and shield and that sort of thing. So, I I really have a hard time with magic, actually. Like a calm spell, say. What do you do, play the sound of someone going, And so I I have a hard time with those. Uh, I just try version after version, and chances are the one you hear in the game is the last one I did before we ran out of time.
2: Our games are pretty long. They're like three- to four-year development cycles. It does feel like we've been working on it for 20 years, to be honest. Uh, it takes a long time to make the game.
1: Today, I'm hoping we get to some creature balance. where we start on some wizard stuff. We have the wonderful luxury of being able to... ...take people who've worked with everything we've worked with... ...who know the kinds of things we want to do, and just start immediately.
5: You're working with guys who know you and know your strengths and your weaknesses... and. You bicker with them, and you share laughs with them, and at the end of the day, as long as you make a great game, that's all that matters.
0: You know, I don't know if everybody knows, but the artists, the world artists, did finish, you know, end of June, nav meshing the entire world.
8: Every time I sit down with a, a meeting with them, you know, every now and then I have to myself, I'm like, hey, I'm talking to Todd Howard. He's he's a he's a pretty cool guy. Todd is a.
7: Very clear on on what he wants. He'll walk into a room where we've been working on something and say, "Nope, should have been like this, or do it like this, or that's just right." Instantly,
8: if you enter his office, no matter what the problem is or whatever, as soon as you leave, he'll make you feel like a million bucks.
9: He doesn't come out every week and beat you over the head with a two by four. He's like,
8: "You're not working hard enough."
9: Um, He just does that every other week. All of those things that we liked
0: growing up, and the melding of technology and art. Video games, are, I think, are the ultimate melding of those art forms. Because if you look at a film, they can spend hours rendering one frame, and who cares? And okay, do that 30 times a second. That's a much trickier problem. And make it uh, fun when I push the buttons. Uh, you know, I, I find that really uh, interesting problem to solve every day.
1: The beauty of making an open-world game is you can choose your entertainment to be what you want it to be. And therefore, you will be entertained and I'll be happy.
5: (laughs) I want to give them a game that they're gonna hold on to for years and say, I'm gonna keep playing this because it's that good and it keeps me in the world.
3: There are no accidents in a game like this. The player is free to interpret everything on their own.
4: It's almost existential in a way. Should I kill that guy because he has some good armor and some treasure I want? How would I feel about killing that guy, you know? That's that's kind of the holy grail. Forget that it's a video game, but this is an
0: entertainment experience of virtually unlimited possibility where it's there for you to take it where you want to go. And as you do those things, it will surprise you and reward you um, for what you're doing. No!